This is Health Yeah, your weekly update on what's going on in the health, wellness, and medical world with Monica Robbins. Today we're talking about something that impacts every single one of us, our mental health. If the pandemic taught us anything, it's that we all need to be more mindful, take time to reach out to those who may be struggling and be a little kinder to ourselves and each other. If you are experiencing your own mental health issues, you're not alone. In fact, one in five adults in this country experience mental illness each year. Kids are at risk too. One in six children also experience mental illness issues. Sometimes it's situational, sometimes it's genetic, sometimes it's a short-term struggle, and sometimes it's a struggle you'll deal with for the rest of your life. We unpack it all today and get some advice from our expert on how to manage anxiety, stress, and depression, and when to know when it's time for medical intervention. and welcome to Prescription for Life. I'm Monica Robbins. We have all been there, stressed to the max, anxious about finances, relationships, or work, depressed by a loss, or struggling to manage a major life change. But how do you know if all that pressure you're feeling is just life or if it's something more. It's estimated that only 45% of adults who suffer from mental illness receive treatment. Slightly better for kids, but not as great. Only 51% of children are treated. And while there are dozens of different types of mental illnesses out there, anxiety disorders are by far the most common, affecting nearly 20% of the adult population. There's still the stigma around asking for help with our mental health. Some expect us to just stop whining and deal with it all on our own. Well, that's the wrong answer for many. We turn now to a report from our Dallas station, WFAA, and one woman's quest to stop the stigma. In just a moment's notice, everything can change. And Tazora Moore knows that feeling all too well. I lost my husband to suicide in 2012. Tazora says at the time, there seemed to be no warning signs from her husband, Daryl. It was very devastating. You know, it was surprising to everyone and especially myself because this is someone that I actually live with on a daily day basis. When she sought mental health help for her family, Tazora realized the stigma around counseling within several communities especially her own. I felt like that's not, that's not something that the African-American community does. That's not something that we battle with. After his death, it made me realize that people really do suffer in silence. You know, people really feel like they're alone and with them feeling alone, they do not reach out. So I definitely wanted to have an organization to let people know that you're not alone. That's when she turned her pain into a new purpose. I was just driving and I just wanted my organization to be a name that people could remember. And so it just popped in my head. I hear my cry. Hear my cry. The name Tazora picked because it means focusing on the person in need and paying attention to their actions. We all have those points that we want to give up, but some is able to push themselves. Some have friends and then there's others that really need the medical, the you know, the um, education part of a counselor. The organization is entering its 10th year of offering free counseling and resources for families affected by suicide. Family who lost someone to suicide, we um, do 
burial assistance for that. We do medication as well, so people that is not able to afford the medication that they have for their mental health. It's a mission she plans to carry on for as long as she can, while honoring her husband's legacy. I realize that a lot of people want the help. They just do not know where to go to get the help that they need. So what can you do if you or someone you love is suffering from mental health issues? We asked our expert for some advice. We are joined now by Cleveland Clinic clinical psychologist, Dr. Adam Borland. This is such a huge issue relating when we're talking about mental health, but there is some good news because thanks to the pandemic, we're actually talking about mental health. How have you seen that change? Unfortunately, mental health has had a stigma to it. It's very misunderstood. Given the stressful times that we're living in and probably based on the pandemic, thankfully people are finally willing to openly talk about mental health and the stigma is, is not what it once was. There was a, a survey done that showed one in five Americans is suffering with mental health. Is, is that true? It's tough to, to pinpoint the, the statistics exactly, but it's very common. And that doesn't necessarily mean it's a chronic disorder, right? It, could it be just, you know, in a situational condition? Yeah, and that's where mental health treatment is often misunderstood, is that people view it as some lifelong condition, some serious lifelong condition that they may never get over. This can be shorter term. This can be situational. And it's important for people to recognize that the services are available and there's no shame in getting these services. There's something that uh, I found interesting. The Surgeon General just came out saying loneliness is an epidemic across the country. Loneliness, is that a mental health disorder? It's not a diagnosable mental health condition. However, it is something that often accompanies diagnoses. You know, there's a big difference between feeling alone, right? I am in this house alone, no one else is in the house with me, versus loneliness. I'm in this house with others, yet I still feel a disconnect. And I think given social media usage, while we feel more of a connection to others, it actually creates more of a feeling of loneliness, of detachment. And so that's something that I see in my practice quite often. We've heard that the pandemic has caused mental health awareness at least, and also disorders to skyrocket. Are people bouncing back at this time or is it just we're now better to recognize it? People are bouncing back and we are, <laughs> we are more adept at, at recognizing these symptoms. And again, people are more willing to talk about it and open up to loved ones and, and recognize services are available. And it's not a weakness. It's let's, actually a strength. Let's talk about some of the most common things that people might be experiencing. One being anxiety. How do you know when it's just, you know, basic anxiety, you're worried about a test coming up or, you know, a presentation at work compared to I've got a problem? Sure. Yeah, look, we all deal with anxiety and daily stress and, and we are built to manage. I think it's important to recognize though when this becomes all encompassing and it's affecting my relationships and it's affecting my health, my sleep, my diet, my work performance, that's when I have to recognize that I, I need some help.
That's something I, you know, I've heard a lot of people telling me lately they've never experienced a panic attack before. Mm -hmm. But that's becoming more common too. Can you explain the psychology behind a panic attack and is that the trigger or is that the red flag that I should go talk to someone? Yeah, so a panic attack is often the manifestation of the anxiety, the physical manifestation, shortness of breath, lightheadedness, you know, feeling as though your heart's gonna beat out of your chest. Uh, you know, people deal with nausea or excessive sweating. Um, that's not necessarily the, the, the sole reason, but it can certainly be scary to people, especially if they haven't experienced one. And therefore, recognizing that, hey, something's up here, and, and I, I need to get some help. The feeling of overwhelm. Yes. How do you kind of know when you've taken on too much and this is triggering things? Because I, I'm one of those person, people, I do 100 million things at once, and there's every so often, I. I don't even see it coming, mm -hmm. and it suddenly it's just a shutdown. I can't do anymore. Yeah. Um, how do you know when you need to prevent that before it happens? We are not robots. We we cannot just you know go 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 all the time. You know we can't go at a hundred miles an hour all the time in the far left hand lane of the highway. We have to be able to check in with ourselves, recognize physical symptoms, recognize my tank is just, it's on empty. And there's nothing wrong with me attending to self-care. It's often misconstrued as being selfish. If I'm doing for myself, I should be doing for others, and therefore there's something wrong with that. Self-care is so important. You will be a better spouse, a better partner, a better friend, a better employee, a better parent if you're attending to your self-care. I think that's important because if you don't take care of yourself, you really can't take care of anybody else, can you? That's true. Uh, let's talk about uh, depression. Anxiety and depression, they go together sometimes? They often go hand in hand, yes. How do you deal with that and what are the warning signs? So similar to anxiety, if you notice that your day-to-day -day functioning is just off, if you notice that you have a lack of energy, that you're having a difficult time getting out of bed, that basic um, functioning, basic aspects of your routine are becoming so much more difficult, if you notice that you're experiencing crying episodes or irritability, you're yelling at people, you're experiencing some sort of road rage, right? Anything that's really drastic in terms of a change in your mood that can be indicative of, of depression. We hear a lot about, you know, you can go to therapy and learn cognitive behavioral changes or cognitive skills or, you know, uh, what are those? What are, what are people talking about when they say behavioral changes or cognitive therapy? Yeah, well really it, it's the link between our thoughts and then our behaviors at, at its most you know, basic tenet. We really want to look at how are people interpreting situations. It's very easy, you know, we have these, these core beliefs and these automatic thoughts in terms of how we perceive things. And we need to take a step back and say, well, maybe I'm wrong about this. Maybe I'm interpreting it wrong. I'm, it's inaccurate. So how can I look at it from a different vantage point? I often look at, use the analogy of wearing glasses. I'm so used to looking through this lens, but that may be inaccurate. So let me take off these glasses and put on a different pair. And through that lens, I see things differently. 
Once you're dealing with anxiety, depression, is this a lifelong disorder? Is this, you know, a, a change in your brain, different chemical uh, imbalance in your brain? Chemical, there can be a chemical dynamic here, but it doesn't mean that you can't improve. It doesn't mean that you can't feel more in control of your symptoms and how you respond to situations. And remembering that while you may deal with this throughout your life, it doesn't mean that you can't live a, a, a pleasing lifestyle. But when is the time medication might be the answer? Because you know we, we keep hearing everybody throws medication at every problem. A lot of people don't wanna go down that road. Um, you say you can control things, but when is it that you might need medication? So I'm a big believer in educating yourself on medication options. And this is something that I deal with with my patients all the time is that question of, am I at a point where I should pursue medication options? You know what, if that's the case, talk to your primary care doctor, schedule an appointment with a psychiatrist and see what your options are and how it may help. It doesn't mean that you have to start medication. It doesn't mean that medication is going to be a long-term um, part of your life. I think a lot of people also don't understand when you start taking that medication, it's not a magic pill and everything changes right away. Can you explain how medication works? So it, it can take up to four to eight weeks to, to begin to, to see the benefits. And sometimes the medication isn't right right away. The dosage might not be right. It might be the, not be the right um, uh, cocktail of medications. So you have to go in with patience and with an understanding that I'm going to gradually see how this helps. Does, does every medication have a negative side effect? No. And that's often what scares people from medications is that they're worried about how will the side effects affect my life. And remembering that if you're working closely with a prescriber, they're going to monitor those symptoms. And, and watch for them and look for those red flags. Um, but also important, please don't stop them without talking to your doctor. Absolutely. You do not want to just stop cold turkey. All right, one of the other biggest mental health issues in this country, and I am the poster child for it, is stress. Mm -hmm. um, how do we know when stress, and this is kind of tied to overwhelm, but mm -hmm. also anxiety, but how do you know when your stress is just, you know, you're in that fight or flight 24 seven? Yeah, stress kind of underlies all of this. And I think that's where we have to really take time to check in with ourselves because we become so used to just operating with that stress level that we don't even recognize, oh my gosh, look, look at how this is affecting my life. I'll often work with my patients on mindfulness uh, techniques. Deep breathing is one that I really recommend. It's something that we can always turn to to just kind of slow things down. I'm a big proponent of exercise, creative outlets, and you know, pursue things that maybe you've always wanted to do. That was one thing that people did during the pandemic. They tried things that they'd always wanted to, or they, they did things that maybe they hadn't done in years, picked up an instrument that hadn't done in years. Allow yourself the opportunity to pursue these activities. If you could do one thing every day, what would you recommend people do? I'm a big proponent of exercise, some sort of physical activity. 
It doesn't have to mean going to a gym, it doesn't have to mean taking a class, just some sort of increased um, physical activity. And I would also recommend gratitude. We often overlook the good things in our lives and we focus on the negatives. We focus on how are things not working out the way I want them to, and we overlook the good. I always think about no matter what I'm going through, there's always somebody going through worse. Mm. And how lucky am I that I'm not walking in those shoes? And that's just one thought, you know, gets me out of bed every morning that if someone else is getting out of bed and being productive and they have all this going on, there's no excuse for me not to. And what you're alluding to, I think, is a sense of empathy, right? Helping others can certainly help with our own mood. If, if I have so much in my life, how do I then share with others? How do I help others who are maybe in need? PTSD, let's go here because you know we've heard so much talk about it. It's often referred to folks coming back from uh, military duty, mm -hmm. but PTSD can manifest in several different ways, You know, not only from some type of trauma, but can you talk about the things that may happen that people don't even realize they're dealing with PTSD? You're right, I think it was often misconstrued that only soldiers, only people that were on the front lines or who had been in some sort of extreme violent situation uh, suffered P from PTSD. But the reality is we live in such difficult times these days and we are often exposed to such difficulties that that can result in PTSD symptoms. And I think people, again, tend to overlook those symptoms. If someone's experiencing flashbacks, if someone's having a hard time kind of getting out of this, this cognitive cycle of reliving uh, a difficult situation, you know, that can constitute what we call acute stress, which then may lead to PTSD. Is that the only symptom of PTSD though? Reliving a symptom, reliving a, a situation or having flashbacks? No, we, we look at heightened anxiety. We look at uh, heightened startle response. Again, we look at maybe significant mood changes. Uh, someone may isolate themselves. Someone may again display behaviors that are just out of the ordinary. We are getting much better thanks to the pandemic. And you mentioned earlier that, uh, you know, we're recognizing mental health a little better and it's not such a taboo to start reaching out for help. But one of the issues that you, uh, you talked about is there's a shortage mm -hmm. of mental health professionals. So what's your advice to somebody who finally recognizes that they need help, but now they have to wait for it? What would you tell someone? We are certainly trying our best to meet all the needs. Um, there are sometimes wait lists, and I think it is also important to advocate for yourself. If you recognize this is something that I can't wait a few weeks or even a month for, you know, let, let someone know within the scheduling department, let's say at the Cleveland Clinic, I have people reach out all the time and say, you know, this is a, this is a patient that's in real distress and I'll make sure that, that we prioritize uh, them and their needs. So again, I, I think it's important to keep that motivation because it is a source of strength, not a weakness to uh, pursue services. Dr. Borland, as always, thank you for your advice and thank you for being here. My pleasure. 
kids are struggling with mental health issues more than ever, from isolation from the pandemic to social media fallout. There's much that today's kids have to deal with that wasn't an issue for their parents or grandparents. But one 11-year-old in Atlanta is trying to help kids with their mental health struggles. Take a look at this story from our station, WXIA. Impact isn't about age. What's happening inside Varner Elementary is proof. They're so incredibly proud. Takari Tatum is 11. His latest project will soon be part of the school library. Hi, Takari. His snap-it bracelets are already part of the school culture. Taking on mental health openly. Anytime you feel stressed or anxious, you just snap it. His book about them is about to be released. Seeing it all come together was like such a surreal experience. I was really just thinking about all the stuff that happened in my life with my mental health journey and just putting those words on the paper. Takari's best friend, his grandfather, died in the pandemic. Takari saw so many of his friends struggling too. The book is an extension of telling people that mental health matters and it's a serious thing that almost everybody goes through. I just can't even put it in words how proud I am of him. Takari wrote this book in one week. Yeah, right. <laughs> He, did. he was like taking dictation. It's like God was just giving him the words. Just amazing me more every day. Mrs. Lori Mendenhall supported every step. Now retired art teacher Robin Glover illustrated his book. So honored and so privileged. Principal Althea Singletar sees the reach of Takari's impact. Thank you. For students to see that you can have a great idea and you see it through and all kinds of wonderful things can happen. I hope kids who read the book feel that they're not alone. A message that's made a difference for his dad too. He just does not know how big of an impact this has made. If you are struggling with your mental health, we hope you learn that you're not alone and help is out there. Please reach out and remember, take it easy on yourself. We're all just doing the best we can. Thank you so much for joining us for this episode of Prescription for Life. I'm Monica Robbins, and I hope to see you back here next week. Until then, take care of your health. Thank you so much for tuning into Health Yeah. Please find me on Twitter and Instagram at Monica Robbins. Like and follow my Facebook page, Monica Robbins WKYC. Find video podcasts at Monica Robbins channel on YouTube. And please subscribe. Wishing you great health and hope to see you again soon. Thanks for listening to Health Yeah! with Monica Robbins from WKYC Studios. Subscribe now so you never miss an update. And find more on everything you heard here on WKYC.com and on the WKYC app.